Welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we hope will inspire, encourage, and challenge you to grow closer to God. So sit back, prepare your heart, and see where God can take you. Well, we're wrapping up this message series called Bust a Move. Some of you are familiar with that phrase. It it originated back in the 1980s with kids just out on the street kind of having these dance-off, these competitions to their favorite hip-hop music, and they would tell each other, bust a move. I believe that it is the order of the day for the church. I believe God wants us to bust a move. I was at a wedding reception last Sunday night. Uh, my dear friend Sean and Nicole Marcel, their baby boy, Josiah, we called him JoJo growing up, he got married. Those kind of weddings just have a way of putting things in perspective for you, like, Time goes by so fast. How did that all happen? Uh, Josiah was born just right after I came back in 1999 to, to take up uh, the leadership of the church here. And so, boom, he's already an adult, a grown-up, getting married. I just felt like, man, I'm old. Anybody ever feel old? Come on, I'm not the only one. And uh, so anyway, we, we went to the reception. If you've never been to a Crossroads Church wedding reception, you have no idea what you're missing. It's so much fun. We got there. Music was already bumping. Dance floor was pretty empty. Just a few young ones out there having fun. But then, you know, towards the end of the evening, they start playing the song that everybody knows the dance moves to, right? Like Footloose or uh, the Cupid Shuffle, to the left, to the left. And then everybody's out on the dance floor. You know why? Because we're comfortable with what we know, right? We're comfortable with what we're comfortable with. And it reminded me of the spirit of this message series. What we are attempting to say to you is that if, if life is a dance, we're playing it way too safe. Come on, we're out on the dance floor of life, keeping it between the elbows, just a little shuffle of our feet, hoping that nobody notices, when all along, God wants us to bust a move. God's got bigger things than we've ever experienced. He's got new things that he wants to do, both in and through us, and we need to bust a move. Now, I felt impressed, strongly, strongly impressed of the Holy Spirit to wrap up this series of messages by uh, addressing something that I feel like is a reality. With many of you here in the house, as well as many of you that are worshiping with us online today, and that is the uh, immobility that sometimes we find ourselves in. We find ourselves in a place almost of paralysis where we just can't go any further than we are. Am I the only one that ever felt like that? Come on. We just can't get beyond this moment that we're in. And I feel like that there are some folks here today and joining us online that you feel trapped, trapped in a moment, trapped in whatever it is that you went through, whatever you experienced, that has just kind of left you almost imprisoned and you can't move on. And I, I really believe that the message heaven is sending you today is it's time to move on. Somebody say move on. It's time to move on. It's time to move on beyond where you've been. Time to move on beyond where you are. It's time to move on into all that God has. God's got better for you than what you've known. God's got more for you than what you've experienced. And it's time to move. Somebody say, move on. Look at your friend right now. Say, move on. 
What we're going to do today is really a, a character study of the life of Simon Peter there in the gospel accounts in the New Testament. I want to take a look at this man's life because this man knew a little bit about what it means to move on. And he also knew quite a bit about what it means to play it safe out on the dance floor of life. I mean, if anybody knew how to play it safe, if anybody knew how to keep it between the elbows, it was Simon Peter. I think that's reflected in something he said to Jesus. Now, I want you to get the picture. Jesus is talking to his disciples about the importance of forgiveness. Oh, you want to talk about moving on? Sometimes you can't move on until you forgive. And Jesus is telling his disciples how important it is to forgive. And Peter's just on the dance floor playing it safe. And so he thinks, I'll make a suggestion on how many times I should be willing to forgive someone who's hurt me or wronged me or let me down. And I, I got to believe in his mind, Peter thinks he's being genuous as he says, Jesus, should I forgive him seven times? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And how many know Jesus wasn't saying, just forgive 490 times? How many know he was saying, as often as you have to, forgive who you need to forgive so you can move on? Peter knew how to play it safe. And there are several moments in his life recorded in Holy Scripture that we can glean from today, we can learn from today. I'm going to tell you about five things you've got to move on past today. And I believe many of you fall into one of these five categories, and I just believe the Spirit of God wants to pull you up. Come on, y'all. Wants to pull you up and set your feet on the path he's chosen for you so you can move on. You ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. First thing that I want to say to you is that to move on, we have to move beyond men. We have to move beyond men. When I use the term men, I'm using it generically. It may be a woman that's let you down. Maybe a female that you have put so high on a pedestal that your eyes are on them instead of having your eyes on God. But how many know, listen, whether they failed you or whether they formed you, they're just men. They're just people. And that's the message for the hour today. Get your eyes off of people. Listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't use people in our lives. He certainly does. And I'm not suggesting that there aren't times when people fail us terribly. Certainly that happens. I'm just telling you they're not God, so why are your eyes on them? We've got to move beyond man. We've got to move beyond those who hurt us and those who helped us. We've got to move beyond men. And Peter understood this in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus and his disciples are entering a region known as Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his uh, disciples this question in Matthew 16, verse 13 through 16. He said, who do people say the son of man is? And they begin to give him their answer. Some say you're John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. And in verse 15, Jesus asked, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, what, what Simon understood there in that moment is, 
I have now moved beyond men. <laughs> I've moved beyond the influence of John the Baptist, as great a man as he is. Jesus himself said he was the greatest prophet who's ever lived. But I've moved beyond looking at John and who John is. I've moved beyond Jeremiah. Elijah, the prophets have moved beyond them. And what I'm looking at today is the Messiah sent from God. I'm looking at the son of the living God. I'm looking at God today. And he's who I've got to have my eyes upon. Now, Jesus responded to that by telling Peter, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. But my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And he said, you are Peter. And by the way, Peter's name meant little stone or little rock. And he said, on this rock, and he used the the Greek word Petra here, and the word literally means large stone. He said, upon this large stone, speaking of the revelation that God had given to Peter, he said, it's upon that revelation of who I am. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he went on to promise that the people of God would receive the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. What's Jesus telling us today? What's Jesus telling us today? Until you move beyond men, you'll never have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Men cannot open the doors for you that God wants to open for you. And men can't close doors on a season that was so difficult, but God can. And God wants to give you those keys, but you've got to look beyond men, beyond people, beyond her, him, them, whatever they did, you've got to move beyond that if you're going to have the best that God wants for you. And I want it, don't you? Second thing you're going to have to move beyond is this. To move on, we've got to move beyond men, and we also have to move beyond moments. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the moments that we're given. Many of those moments are precious, and they're transformational. We have a moment with God where we experience breakthrough and all of a sudden the joy of the Lord floods our heart and God sets us free. He liberates us. He opens our eyes to some truth that we had never recognized before. Aren't you glad for those moments? I've had those moments, man, of breakthrough, those moments of great victory, those moments of triumph, those moments where I was afraid to open my eyes. I thought God would be standing right there. Anybody ever felt God that strongly? Listen, I love those moments, but I can't live there. And I think that's the mistake that we often make is we have this amazing experience with God, and we just want to camp out there for the rest of our life. God, this is good. And I, I'm coming from a time, I'm coming from a place that wasn't so good, but this is good, so God, I'm just going to stay right here. And God says, no, you got to move on. Somebody in this room, somebody listening to me today by live stream, you need to know it's time to move on. This has been good, but there's better yet. Come on, somebody. God has greater things yet just ahead of us, so we can't just kind of put our anchor here and think we're going to stay in this moment for the rest of our life. With Peter, it happened like this. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8, the scripture reads like this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. And just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking 
with Jesus. Now stop for just a moment. Realize, in the mind of these Jews, Moses and Elijah represent everything they believe about God. The, the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, Jews called the Torah, was summed up as the law and the prophets. And here they are, Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets, and they're standing there in a moment with Jesus. And Peter goes, this is good, man. This is awesome. Look what happens. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus, because he's all that matters. He's there to fulfill everything Moses and Elijah had promised. And you need to get your eyes on him. Now, one more time, the scripture is telling us, move beyond men. But it's also telling us, move beyond moments. Peter wanted to build some tabernacles right there and just have church right there on top of that mountain for the rest of his life. Because this was a moment of transfiguration. And a moment of transfiguration is powerful. But if you don't move beyond transfiguration, you never get to resurrection. Jesus has revealed himself in a powerful way in this moment. But we can't stay here. He's got to get to the cross. When he gets to the cross, he's going to pay for the sins of the whole world. And he's going to come out of the grave triumphing over it. And now we are going to be able to experience resurrection just like he did. Somebody ought to get happy right about now. Come on. It's why. It's why we're going to celebrate next weekend. Not just because Jesus rose from the dead, but that if the spirit of him that rose, raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, so shall he quicken your mortal body. You're going to be raised from the dead as well. You're going to experience resurrection as well, but not if you stay there on the Mount of Transfiguration. You got to move beyond these moments. And I don't know who this is a message for, but somebody needs to hear God say today, move on. There's more. Move with me. Don't try to stay here where you're comfortable, but let's move on. Thirdly, you got to move beyond men. You've got to move beyond moments. Number three, you've got to move beyond mistakes. We've all made them. I said, we've all made them. We've blown it. We've failed miserably. And if we're going to get honest, this is the place we usually become imprisoned. This is the place where paralysis sets in. We can't get any further than the ones we failed, how we let them down. Come on, y'all. We can't get past that mistake. And so it's there that we live in all the misery of that mistake and all the misery of that moment. Peter knew a little bit about that. You know, Jesus told his disciples on the day that he was going to be arrested falsely accused, sentenced to die. He told them, he said, they're coming for me. And when they come, you're all, you're all gonna flee for your lives. You're all, gonna, you're all gonna try to protect your own neck. You're all, you're all gonna desert me. You're all gonna abandon me. And you remember in his pride, 
what Peter declared in Matthew 26, verse 33. He said, even if everyone else abandons you. He had the best of intentions, didn't he? Even if everyone else abandons you, I never will. And Jesus told him, Peter, in fact, before the rooster crows, in other words, before dawn, you will have denied me three times. And just like Jesus prophesied, just like he predicted, that's exactly what happened. Peter's there. After all of them had fled, he comes back around to try to find out what's going on with Jesus. People ask him if he, if he knew the Lord, if he had been with the Lord. Oh, no, oh, no. He denies it twice. He's sitting at a fire warming himself by the world's fire. Come on, some of you were there this last week. Some of you have been there for months, warming yourself by the world's fire. And we take up the narrative, and we read in Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, verse 74 now. Then they're asking him, you know, Peter again, aren't you one of them? Aren't you with them? And then Peter began to curse and swear with an oath, I don't know the man. And just then, a rooster crowed. Just like Jesus predicted, he had denied his Lord three times. Now, let's fast forward. Most of us know the story. Jesus is crucified. He rises from the grave on the third day. But Peter is living in a moment of failure and mistakes. When Jesus first found Peter, he found him fishing. Do you remember? Him and his brother Andrew and their business partners, James and John, had a fishing trade. And when he first found Peter, he was fishing. And he told him that day, he said, you're no longer going to fish for fish. From now on, you're going to fish for men. But because of his mistake, he's back fishing for fish again. You know, when you live in your mistake, you fish for the wrong things. And some of you for months now have been fishing for something Something that's going to release you from the guilt you feel. You've been fishing for something that's going to put hope in your heart again, a gleam in your eyes again. You've been fishing for something that will bring you beyond where you've been so long, but it's not found in any of those things you once knew as someone who had not placed their faith in Jesus. No, it's found in the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer. Peter's fishing, and Jesus shows up on the seashore. And he builds a fire. Remember the last fire I talked to you about? It was the world's fire. And Peter was there warming himself by the world's fire. And now Jesus has built him a new fire. Je Jesus is getting ready to build a new fire for somebody in this room. His fire that will warm you. Jesus builds a fire. They see him. They come on shore. They strike up a conversation. There's only... There's only two places in the Bible that describes this type of fire. The fire that Jesus has built and he's sitting at is described in the scripture as a charcoal fire. Now, anybody who's ever done any grilling knows that charcoal is an aroma unlike any other to our senses. When you smell it, you immediately recognize it, don't you? And not only that, but even as I'm describing it here today, some of you, it's almost like you can smell it because it imprints on our senses so strongly. It's a charcoal fire that Jesus has built. The only other time in Scripture that type of fire is specified is when Peter was sitting by the world's fire 
denying Jesus. So as he smells the aroma of this charcoal, it takes him back in his mind, and he thinks, what's he going to say? How's he going to chastise me? How's he going to put me in my place? But that isn't what Jesus has in mind, is it? Can I take up reading here in John chapter 21? Jesus has asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, well, then feed my sheep. He asked him again a second time, do you love me? Lord, I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. And we take up reading in John's gospel, chapter 21, verse 17. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. For all three times that Peter had denied the Lord, he gives him an opportunity to reaffirm his love for him. He's telling him, Peter, I don't want you back here fishing for the wrong things. Come with me. I'm going to reestablish you, and you're going to fish for the right things from now on. Aren't you thankful for the forgiveness that God offers? For as many times as we have failed him, he's there giving us the opportunity to be forgiven. Somebody ought to be thanking God right about now. He's here today telling you. Move beyond that mistake. Yes, you failed. Yes, you let people down. And you need to own it. But you're not going to live there. God says, I've still got better things for you. So move beyond men. Move beyond moments. Move beyond mistakes. Number four, move beyond misconceptions. We've had a few of those too, haven't we? (laughs) We've got these ideas about what God's like and how it's going to be, right? We have these ideas. And I just wanted to come to church today to remind everyone in this room and everyone joining us online that you cannot fit God in your box. He's way too big. And we have these misconceptions that he's got to operate the way we think he's got to operate. And God is here today to tell you, move beyond those misconceptions because eye has not seen and ear has not heard. And it's not even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. I, I'm, I may have seen some good things, but I haven't seen everything. I need you to know God still has more that he wants to do. And God forbid that we try to keep him in some box that we're comfortable with. God wants to bust a move. Anybody here ready to let him? Are you ready to let him? We make assumptions about God. And God said, you got to move beyond those misconceptions. For Peter, he'd been raised According to the Jewish traditions and laws, things had to be a certain way. And he's wanting to stay in the Old Testament when Jesus is trying to establish a new one. Jeff, how does that relate to my life today? Some of you are still living in an Old Testimony instead of letting God give you a new one. Because you've got all these mistaken ideas of it's got to happen just like it happened last time. No, it doesn't. God's got a New Testament he wants to give you. Peter's on his roof praying. And he has a vision. And God lowers in a sheet all the foods he grew up being told he could not eat. And and the voice cries out to him in the vision and says, take and eat. And Peter goes, I ain't eating that. 
That's unclean. And God speaks to Peter in Acts 10, verse 15, and says, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Now, he's not just talking about Peter getting to eat bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches for the rest of his life. No, no, no. He's saying, what I've called clean, you can't call unclean. Because I'm not here just for the Jew. I'm also for the Cajun. Come on, I'm also for the Gentile. I'm going to use your message to reach people all over the world. And don't call unclean what I'm able to clean with the washing of the water of the word. You're going to speak under the anointing of the power of God's Holy Spirit. Come on, y'all. He's saying, move beyond these misconceptions. And we must Do the same. One last, one last move. One last move. I don't know who it is today that needs to move beyond men or move beyond moments. I don't know who it is that needs to move beyond some mistake or some misconception. But I believe you're here and I believe God's speaking to you. And there's one last thing I believe the Lord would have us to know today, to move on. And that is the cry of heaven right now. Move on. To move on, we must move beyond our masquerades. What what do you do when you're not willing to move beyond men? Men who hurt you or or men that you've set up on that pedestal and, and, and you've made a God out of them. What do you do? What do you do when you can't move beyond a moment that was so life-giving for you, so fulfilling, so joyous, and you're not willing to move beyond it. What do you do when, when you can't move past the mistakes you've made, the failures that you've known? What happens when you've got these misconceptions you're trying to hold God to? What do you do? You put on a mask and you attend a masquerade. And there's some of you, this service is part of your masquerade. You want everybody to think that all is well between you and God when the truth is you're in a paralysis. You haven't moved, you haven't moved any, any further forward than in the last mistake you made or, or the last man you got your eyes on or, or whatever that, that is that has put you in your prison. And God's telling you, he's telling you right now, he says, move beyond this masquerade. Pull the mask off. Let God show you what God has for you, and let him make you everything he's called you to be. You know what I'm really trying to tell you today is God can't bless who you pretend to be. He can't do it. We've got to lean in to an authenticity that says, I refuse to pretend to be this or that. I'm going to allow God to make me exactly who he's called me to be, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, one called out of darkness to walk in his marvelous light. I want to be real with God. I want to stop the masquerade. There's a passage in the book of Galatians where Paul actually has to call Peter on the carpet because when they're around the Gentiles, he lives with the freedom of the New Testament Gentiles. But when he's around the Jews, he wants to be pretending that he's going along with everything the Jews demand in their Old Testament perspectives. And Paul calls him out on it. And Paul says, you got to stop behaving that way. There was a moment that Peter had to move past. What's that moment for you? What's that moment look like for you? I don't know if it's some person, some man. I don't know if it's some glorious moment, a mistake, 
a misconception or a masquerade. But the Spirit of God would say to everyone in this room and everyone joining us online, it is time to move on.